Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Well, we just got back from, uh, just a side note here, we just got back from a, a man camp, and we had a great time together. Uh, the, we had four guys going, and uh, we uh, had a wonderful time and lots and lots of red meat. And so the first day they served us brisket, and boy, was it good. They smoked it all night and a good part of the day, and the next day we had ribs. And what did you have for dinner that night? Leftovers. Leftovers. Hey, that's okay, too. <laughs> Amen. There was enough meat there for us to go back for seconds, and there were still leftovers. So, I mean, there was, when they gave us ribs, they gave us like six or seven ribs. Uh, I mean, it's like a half a rack, and it was cow ribs, not these puny little uh, pig ribs, you know. But uh, anyways, uh, it was good, good food, and uh, they had a good time of fellowship together and played some games. We played laser tag till midnight just about, it seemed like. It was 1130, I guess. But uh, we had a good time uh, playing in the dark, uh, laser tag in the dark. And uh, then we uh, had some good preaching, and uh, I just had a good time of fellowship together. And so I hope that we'll be able to bring some more next year. Uh, we're going to have to sign up early, though, uh, and, and make sure that you get registered early because they were full. I mean, absolute full. They had more men at man camp this year than either one of the ladies' retreats uh, they had this year. And so that's the uh, first time they've ever been uh, completely uh, to, uh, to occupation. Is that the right word? Uh, whatever it is. Uh, to, to capacity. There we go. And uh, so we had a great time together. Well, today I want to talk to you about our mindset again. And we close out this series today on our mindset with a look at emotions as a whole. We have picked a few particular emotions in this series. And truth be told, we could go on for a long time looking at, biblically, the different aspects of our emotions. Instead today, although I want to look at the one thing that will help us the most with each of these emotions, yielding them to God. Emotions are important to our spiritual well-being. Allowing our emotions to be involved will allow us to minister to one another. You can't truly minister if you close off your emotions. In fact, the emotions of a uh, one teenage barista uh, made a real difference in one woman's life because he was willing to get outside of the uncomfortable and into somebody else's uncomfortable situation. In March 2016, a woman pulled into her favorite local coffee uh, drive through Dutch Brothers, which I miss very dearly. Y'all don't have those out here. I'm hoping they'll grow enough to be, come out here too. Uh, but she pulled in just like she had many times before. One of the young men working the shift recognized her, it's having come regularly, but had noticed immediately that she had been crying. Her husband, who was still in his 30s, had suddenly died the night before. A Christian, the young man gave the woman her coffee at no charge and then asked if he could pray with her. Two of his co-workers, one who was not even religious but just was overwhelmed with the compassion for this young lady, joined in prayer and mourned alongside the widow. The image that will come up on the screen is the image of the three teenage boys leaning out the stand and praying with a widow in her car. It was captured by another customer behind them. And the story quickly gained global attention on social media and other media outlets and began to be told about on the news and such. The image itself on Facebook had been shared, has been liked 440,000 times, over 443,000 times. Uh, with over 20,000 comments and 140,000 shares on Facebook alone. 
Many comments were saying that they had been treated with kindness and love in extraordinary ways by these employees throughout the years. This wasn't a one-time event. Uh, many situations came up in the comments that said, uh, they, they helped me in this way, this happened and th this happened and, and such. And the key to the truth behind the story is one young man felt the grief of this young woman and yielded his emotion to the Holy Spirit in a way that allowed him to minister to her. And without knowing it, ended up ministering to hundreds of thousands of others. And the truth is, we live in a world where reason is often valued over emotion. Those who express, are expressive of their emotions are often ridiculed as being weak or too emotional. But when we read in Genesis that we are made in the image of God, we need to realize that our emotions are created as a gift of his image. We experience emotions because God experiences emotions. God's joy is seen throughout the Bible, but specifically in verses like Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, which says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions of them for, those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy is attributed to the Lord. It's his joy. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, and having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, given by the Holy Ghost because it's attributed to the Holy Ghost. Joy is listed as fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. We gain it through the Spirit, and so the Spirit must want us to experience it. We see examples of God the Father experiencing sorrow, in Genesis 6, 6, it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Psalm 78, 40 says, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Isaiah 54, 6 says, For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. Later, a few chapters later, Isaiah 63.10 says, But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. We see Jesus experiencing sorrow on several occasions throughout the Gospels as well. Paul writes about the grieving of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Jesus' anger and grief are spoken of in multiple places, but Mark chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. God's wrath is written about by Paul in Romans, and John in Revelation. Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Ezekiel bear witness to God's jealousy. Not envy, jealousy. There's a difference for his people. The Psalms are filled with examples of his compassion, as well as, well as all throughout Scripture. But overall, his emotion is love, agape, as is shown in 1 Corinthians 13 as the perfect example of what love looks like. God gave us our emotions as a gift, as a tool. Sometimes the thought seems to be if we just shut down 
or remove our emotions from the picture, it would solve our situation. A website named Freedom and Thought, I don't necessarily condone all that is said on this website, but one particular thing I pulled from because there was some truth in it. But it speaks of the importance of emotions from a secular point of view. And listen to this, what they say here. He said in his book, Descartes' Error, Error excuse me, Antonio Damasio. Now let's pause there for just a minute. Antonio, Antonio Damasio is a secular uh, um, neuroscientist. Uh, and he wrote this book called Descartes' Error, which is based upon uh, a man named Descartes that uh, made some assumptions about emotions with reason and such like that. Okay? But he wrote about a patient that he had uh, named Elliot who had a brain tumor removed. He says, uh, as is typical in this sort of case, the damaged part of Elliot's frontal lobe also had to be removed. After the surgery, Elliot's abilities to make decisions effectively and plan for the future were weakened. Lots of tests were performed, and Elliot was found to be mentally average or even superior in many ways. In Damasio's words, Elliot emerged as a man with a normal intellect who was unable to decide properly, especially when the decision involved personal or social matters. In terms of language, learning, memory, and attention, Elliot seemed fine. There was, however, one thing that struck Damasio as odd. In all his time with Elliot, he never noticed a single emotion arise out of the man. Could this play a role in his impairing decision-making? Elliot confirmed that things that had once made him emotional ceased to do so after the surgery. He could reason just fine. And in fact, he could reason for hours. Elliot's problem was that he could not or would not make a final decision. As Damasio put it, the cold-bloodedness of Elliot's reasoning prevented him from assigning different values to different options and made his decision-making landscape hopelessly flat. The landscape was, hope, was flat. I think that's a brilliant way to put it. The truth is, without emo emotion, it's hard to act. God gave us emotions for a reason. And it was part of our decision-making process. Without it, it becomes very difficult or we can make some very dangerous decisions. Emotions make some actions more, uh, of more importance or else favorable than others. Without them, we could not make decisions properly. They help prescribe the action that is most meaningful or useful at the time. Without emotions, we can deliberate for hours, weighing the pros and cons, but we'd be unable to come to a decision. Anger may help us to act aggressively when that's necessary. Sadness may help us to seek comfort or reassurance from others. And that's given to us by God so that we would get the help that we would need and go to the right places. You don't think randomly. We're always thinking towards some end. Thinking is goal-oriented. And because of this, goals often need some value or weight attached to them so that we know how to act. Some goals have to be more important than others. Otherwise, we do everything and nothing, this website says. Just like our mental or physical health, emotional health can be affected by a number of factors. Uh, nutrition, rest, the amount of rest you get, uh, external stimuli, whatever the case may be. 
Uh, lack of exercise can affect your, affect your physical and mental wellness. We know this. But just like, uh, just like that, a, a lack of exercise can affect our emotional wellness in the long term as well. Lack of nutrition can affect our physical and mental wellness, just as it can affect our emotional wellness. Ever heard of someone being hangry? You know, a mixture of angry, they're angry and hungry at the same time. They're angry because they're hungry. Yeah, I've been hangry a few times. And taking care of ourselves through proper eating, exercise, and getting enough rest will help us to be more effective for Christ. But there's something to controlling our emotions. God didn't design our emotions to control us. Amen? He rather meant for us to control and, how to and learn how to respond to them. God gives us a perfect example of emotional strength and health through his own steadfast and unchanging character. His emotions are a part of him. They don't rule him. Here in Philippians 1, Paul expresses his desire to go to heaven. He says in verse 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. However, he admits in verse 24 that to stay here in the flesh, is more important, thereby helpful for those he's ministering to. Verse 24, he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And because of this, Paul commits to staying here as long as the Lord allows him to. Verse 25, he says, In having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy and faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. And a lot of, uh, of emotions are expressed here. And then he charges them in verse 27. He says, only let your conversation, your behavior, your conduct, <clears throat> what that word means, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here and in the previous verses, there are a few points that I want to express to you today regarding our emotions. Number one, number one, the flesh struggles against spirit-led emotions. It's kind of an obvious statement, isn't it? I'm not saying anything you don't know, but I want to start at the beginning. The flesh struggles against spirit-led emotions. Paul commends the Christians in Philippi to, to let their conversation, that is their behavior or their conduct, be becoming, uh, means appropriate or worthy of the gospel of Christ. How you act should be worthy of being called a Christian. Amen? Let's try that again. How you act should show worthiness and be worthy of being called a Christian, right? Amen? Amen. That's an important thing to understand, amen? If we don't understand and strive for that and realize that our behavior, our response to things and how we do things needs to reflect Christ in our life, that's the very basis of Christianity and that's a, that's a, a, a part of the foundation. Be appropriate as an example of a Christian is what he's saying. Paul knew that the flesh naturally was at war with the Spirit. Galatians 5.17 tells us, he wrote there, 
to the churches at Galatia. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Anybody relate to that verse right there? It wars against each other. You want to do right, but the flesh wars against the spirit. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul knew that if they were led by the flesh, they would not be the example to the lost world around them that they ought to be. It was natural for the Christians in Philippi to face emotions. In fact, we know that they had some adversaries. In verse 28, Paul says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to use a salvation and that of God. Paul is telling them to control their emotion of fear. Their standing strong against their attack is evidence that their adversaries will be judged. He says to them an evident token of perdition, a token, a showing, a, something that shows that they will be judged. But to these Christians, their supernatural stance against their adversaries and their fear is a token, he says, of salvation and that of God. The fact that you're able to stand against your fear is proof that God has saved you, that God is helping you, that God is with you, the Holy Spirit is enabling you. The natural thing is to let fear take over. Or perhaps the emotion is different for, than fear. Perhaps it's excitement, or any other really. The fruit of the Spirit is temperance. I'm often described as self-control, but I reject that definition. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit, amen? It's spirit control. Amen? But I understand what they're saying by self-control, nevertheless. But in the flesh, if we're not careful, we can allow our excitement to make decisions for us. Ladies, you walk into a store for one specific item. And I know it's not just, uh, just regulated to ladies or uh, just ladies, but you've committed to the Lord to spend wisely and not purchase things that you don't need. But then you see that the store is having a big 50% off the already marked down merchandise. What happens? Excitement. Right? I'm not saying anything negative. Okay, don't look at me like that. We all experience it. If we go into, guys, if we go into Cabela's and we see everything's 50% off, something that's already marked off, I'm going to get excited. Amen? The more you look at the sale items, though, the more excited you get. Our emotions raise higher and higher, and we are led by our emotions if we're not careful. The flesh naturally fights against the spirit-led emotions. And so it wants to run away with our fleshly-led emotions, sometimes into some disastrous results to the pocketbook or some other, reason, other thing. I struggle with weight loss and self-control and eating. Sometimes we react to emotional stimulus by catering to the fleshly desires. But if we realize this and apply God's word to not yielding to the lusts of the stomach, or maybe it's more the lusts of the mouth or tongue, I don't know, whatever it is, we can obey verses like Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it control you that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. 
Never thought you'd apply that verse to eating, would you? But it's right. Don't let sin and lust, the flesh, reign your body. But as verse 13 tells us a little bit later on, but yield yourselves unto God and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The flesh wants to war against the spirit. Whatever emotion or situation you're facing, the, this realization, the flesh does not want what the spirit wants. The flesh struggles against spirit-led emotions. Don't let your flesh control you or your emotions. Stand strong in the spirit because the truth is, number two, we can control our emotions through the spirit. We can control our emotions through the spirit. <clears throat> How many times have I often heard someone say, well, they just made me do such and such. I, I beg your pardon. Uh, but nobody picked up your hands and made you do something. You chose to do it. <clears throat> what you're saying is you allowed your emotions to be controlled by the flesh instead of the spirit. Galatians 4, in Galatians 5, as we saw earlier, it speaks of the war between the spirit and the flesh. <clears throat> I'm going to spend that passage now and look at a few more verses in that passage. Verse, beginning in verse 16, it'll show up here on the screen. It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Stop there for just a second. Walk in the spirit. That means a conscious effort to yield to the spirit. Number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. The law, we learned in Sunday school, is that which uh, uh, points out sin. It's not sin itself, it just shows us where sin is. He says, if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. There's no need for the law in that aspect. Verse 19 continues, now the works of the flesh are, the, are manifest. The works of the flesh, if you're working in the flesh, it will be shown in these for sure. Adultery, fornication. By the way, fornication is, uh, covers a whole realm of, of, sin, of sexual sins. Okay? Uh, anything in that realm, anything of that kind is covered under this one word. Uncleanness, lasciviousness. Verse 20 says, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. There are many others. But he says, when you're in the flesh, you're going to see the works of the flesh come out. If you're yielded to the flesh, it's going to eventually lead to one of these ends. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no need for the law whenever you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because being yielded to the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also 
walk in the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, and if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us yield to it. Let us walk hand in hand, side by side, yielded to the Holy Spirit. There is a war between the flesh and the Spirit. But if we yield to the Holy Spirit, we will not fulfill the works of the flesh. Yielding to the Holy Spirit brings about the fruit of the Spirit, many of which could be looked at as emotions, or at least closely related to emotions. Looking at, those, uh, at those, that fruit again, verse 22, says, But fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Each of those things could be looked at as either emotions or very closely connected to emotions. Like spiritual health, true emotional wellness is irrevocably linked to our relationship with God. Are we being led by the Holy Spirit of God? It's not something we can fave. Uh, it's not something that we cannot fully develop on our own. It's not something that we can completely do on our own. One study Bible says it this way: Being led of the, by the Spirit involves the desire to hear, the readiness to obey God's word, and the sensitivity to discern between your feelings and His promptings. That's a good statement right there. Let me read that again. Being led of the Holy Spirit involves the desire to hear, the readiness to obey God's word. Being led of the Spirit actively involves the word of God. Amen? Let me say that again. Being led of the Spirit actively involves the word of God. The Holy Spirit never contradicts his word. His word never contradicts the Holy Spirit. Then he says, and the sensitivity to discern between your feelings and his promptings. That's being led of the Spirit. How many times have I heard, Pastor, I just feel like the Lord is leading me to do such and such. And I think, but that's in direct contradiction to what the Bible tells you to do. Is it the Holy Spirit leading them? Yes or no? No. It cannot be. That is the feelings, the emotions leading them to make a decision. We need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to control our emotions. You understand what I'm saying? We must be led of the Holy Spirit. Although emotions are a gift from God, we must not let them lead us astray from his word, from his revelation, from his Holy Spirit. My wife, when she was a young girl, she's listening from the nursery, so I have to be careful what I say here, but no. When she was a little girl, she told me whenever she was a little girl that she wanted to give her brothers everything that they wanted. And when her mother would said, no, they can't have that, her response was, but they want it. You know, and that was like kind of the funny thing with her. You know, she's like, all that mattered was that they wanted it. That was so important to her. And her mo mother wisely recognized that she was being led away by her emotions of love for her brothers. 
to give them something that they didn't need or was good for them. And she wisely corrected her and helped her to see that difference. Oh, how easily we can be led away by our emotions into making decisions that are not right. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, and by the way, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, I'd highly recommend it. He said some pretty profound thoughts, one of which is in the following paragraph. I put it on the screen here so that you can read along with me. But he said, there is a difference between doing some particular just or temperate action and being a just and temperate man. Someone who is not a good tennis player may now and then make a good shot. What do you mean by a good player is a man whose eye and muscles and nerves have been so trained by making innumerable shots that they can now be relied upon? I'm going to stay right there for just a minute. We're going to talk about that for just a second. Someone who is a good athlete is someone who has trained their muscles, their eyes, their nerves to make innumerable good shots. This is what yielding to the Spirit does. Yielding to the Spirit let, uh, led emotions over and over again and thereby training our spirit to obey him is what this is doing. Just as athlete exercises a particular muscle group over and over to aid them in making the goal. And athletes are taught whenever they're lifting weights or whatever to make sure they keep their correct form. Because they don't want to train that muscle to veer off course from what they want to succeed in. They say that the greatness of basketball player Larry Bird... It was his daily exercise program, which included long-distance run, practice games with teammates, multiple sit-ups, short-distance runs, all sandwiched between lengthy shooting drills. No wonder he was such a superb fourth-quarter player. He was in better shape than most of the other players. Bird would be in, at the Boston Garden at least by 6 p.m., two hours before tip-off. He would practice more than 300 practice shots. He had trained his body to respond automatically. I saw a video of him one time talking to a reporter, and the reporter asked him to miss the shot from the three-floor line. And he shot, and it went in. He said, no, try to miss the shot. He said, I did. <laughs> and he shot again, and it went in. He said, I'm, I, I'm trying to miss. But his body was so well trained through repetition, yielding to the right thing, his body automatically did what, his body, what he wanted his body to do. Just like G.S. Lewis is saying. And he continues in the next screen. But the truth is that the right actions done for the wrong reason do not help to build internal quality or character called a virtue. And it is this quality or character that really matters. We might think that God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules. Whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. What he's saying there is he wants your heart, not a set of rules. Yes, it is important for you to do the right thing over and over and over and over and over again. To train your spirit to do right. And respond right. 
But it's not about the right action. It's about the right heart. That's what God wants. God is interested in us being his peculiar, his special, his set-apart people. And by this, we have to exercise self-control, or more accurately, spirit control in our lives. Why? Because number three, spirit-controlled emotions witness for Christ. Spirit-controlled emotions witness for Christ. Verse 27 says, Only let your conversation, your behavior, your conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He wanted to hear of their actions, that they were living up and worthy to the gospel of Christ. Why? That they would be a witness to the people around them. We strive together for the faith of the gospel, for be, uh, to be the example to this world around us, so that the power of the gospel can do in the life of those who yield to it around us. Responding to obstacles and struggles we face in life, whether with anger, despair, or fear, is natural. It's natural to respond, have a response of fear sometimes. It's a normal and natural for us to have a response of anger or even despair. Scientists refer to this as the, flight, the fight, flight, or freeze response. However, when our response is love, hope, and faith, even in the midst of all of that, it is a supernatural response. And it catches the eyes of those who or hear of our unusual reaction. It catches their attention. They see something different. The reason the story is like the barista praying with a grieving widow catches so much attention worldwide is because they are seen as out of the ordinary. This young man leaned into a relative stranger's grief instead of shying away from it, which is the natural response. And their emotional response to the situation, as believers and unbelievers, by the way, there was someone there that also was there helping, following the lead of a believer, but that was an unbeliever. But it still brought glory to God in the end. We're not always going to find ourselves in situations where we have a life-altering encounter with a stranger. But we can honor God with our emotions on a daily basis when we recognize what we're feeling, good, bad, happy, or angry, and invite him into our response. How would Jesus respond to this emotion? How would Jesus react to this? We can honor God with our emotions when we admit, when we confess our struggles with God and with other believers and ask and allow them to walk along with us as we work through our emotions. James 5.16 tells us, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When you're struggling... Find a righteous man. Find someone who is being successful in their emotions, being yielded to the Holy Spirit. And I say, I'm struggling in this area. 
So I don't want to admit that. There's the problem. And you'll never get better. If you allow pride to hinder you, you'll never get better. God's formula, God's plan is for us to help each other. You go to the person, you say, I'm struggling in this area. That person may not have the answer. But all they have is the answer that God prescribes here. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When somebody comes to you with a problem and says, you know what, I'm really struggling here. You say, let's pray. Stop what you're doing, wherever you are, and just pray with them. And commit to continuing to pray for them. And seeing God do some amazing things as we yield our emotions to him. We can honor God with our emotions when we treat someone who is struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually with grace, compassion, kindness, and mercy. All responses of a Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That word tender-hearted, that word being kind, is closely linked to emotions, but it's emotion yielded to the Spirit. All without looking for recognition of your good works. These young men in the booth were not seeking to be seen on the news. Their focus was on the woman and her need at the moment. The one young man especially responded with spirit-controlled emotion and compassion, allowing himself to imagine himself in that situation, and he poured his heart out for the woman. And by it has touched the lives of many across the globe. What will others say about you and your influence on them through the spirit-led emotions? Instead of losing control, let's yield the Holy Spirit control of our emotions. When we were at man camp, my dad and I went down to the coffee shop. They call it the ugly bug. And we went down to the coffee shop and I ordered a coffee. And I waited to the side and I heard Jeremy. And I came up to get my order and there's another man there and he grabbed the drink and went out. So, oh, well, there's another Jeremy. Sorry, whatever. And I uh, went on and uh, I stood there because I figured it's probably not going to be much longer. All of a sudden I heard Jeremy. I said, oh, that's mine. I looked, and it's a cold drink. I didn't order a cold coffee. I ordered a hot coffee. And I looked at it, and I said, okay, well, that's not mine. She said, are you Jeremy? Because I was standing there. I said, well, I am, but I ordered a hot drink, and that, you know, that's a cold one. I don't think that's mine. Uh, and she looked, and she looked at the other guy, and she said, I think maybe he took your drink. And I, I happened to see him when he was going off, and he took a drink. It was like, like that. So apparently it's not something, something he liked, uh, which gave me a r real pause about what I had ordered. But anyways, uh, I waited, and uh, he, ca he came up, and he said, I, I think that's my drink, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what I did, or if I ordered a thing. She said, okay, well, that's all right. We'll figure it out. And, boy, there was some real confusion there for a minute there. And then, But she said, okay, we'll make him a new drink. You keep that if you want it. We'll make one for you. You know, your right thing if you want it, whatever. And so they remade my coffee, and uh, it took a while <laughs> to make it. And she kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. It's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's fine. Inside, I was frustrated. But I knew also that I had to, after studying for this sermon, 
have the right spirit. And I had to yield my emotions to the Holy Spirit of God. And she gave me my drink and she said, thank you so much for your patience. And you could just tell it was not just a casual remark. She had probably been (laughs) attacked in the past. (laughs) I said, it's not a big deal. Thank you. And I went on. You don't know what reacting in the right situation will do in the life of someone else. That was in a Christian environment. What a shame it would have been to me, to our church, to the cause of Christ, if I had been angry and yelled and said, I demand my money back and the drink. (laughs) No, that's not the right response. How much more important is it for us to have the right response when things don't go our way at the restaurant, at the store, wherever it may be? Let's control our emotions through the Spirit. Not push them down. By the way, there's a big difference between controlling them yourself and going, I'm so angry, but I'm going to push it down, right? Eventually it's going to come out. But if instead we're controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, it never piles up. It never explodes in the end. Emotions are not bad as long as we don't allow emotions to control us. Let's show the world around us that we are the children of God. Our Father has emotions. Let's show Him our family resemblance. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this series on our mindset and how important it is that we see things the way that you see them and deal with our emotions and deal with the things that are going on in our lives the way that you would handle them. I pray that you would bless us now today, encourage our hearts and strengthen us. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's sing a verse of invitation. We're going to sing Jesus.